All right. Parker and Wendy have a word to give, so I'm going to invite them up here. So um, one of the things the Lord kept talking to me about was um, he's been talking to me about pride <laughs> a whole lot. But then the Lord um, this was, I don't know, I, I was reading the word one day and I just kept hearing rebellion. We know both of those are connected together. Uh, but the Lord, you know, has really been showing me a lot on both those. And the Lord just said, talk about rebellion today. And... Um, we forget what rebellion is connected to, but here's what led me into this. There is a, a man that a friend sent me. He is now a pastor, but he actually used to be a warlock. I don't know if anybody knows what a warlock is, but it's not good. Uh, a warlock is somebody that is into witchcraft, occult, forms of divination. And they're like what is called a pastor, priest, whatever, but on the enemy side, Okay. His name's John Ramirez, if anybody wants to look him up. His testimony's amazing. He has a church now. He, uh, he's just fabulous. But one of the things he teaches, and I like one of his phrases when he was talking, he says, uh, you don't bring part-time Christianity to a full-time devil. <laughs> what does that mean? Wow, you can't just come on Sunday and put you... Jesus stuff together on Sunday and expect to make it through the weekday, okay? Because the enemy's looking for open doors to take out Christians, okay? So one of the things the Lord's talking to me about is obviously the pride, like I was talking about, and I'll go more into that at some point, but he told me to talk about rebellion. What is a spirit of rebellion? Uh, a spirit of rebellion robs you of your destiny that God has you called to. So we're all called to a destiny. God has a plan for our life. He's gave everybody different gifts and a plan. And a spirit of rebellion will rob you from your destiny. Rebellion is disobedience to God, and it is linked to a spirit of divination. Divination is witchcraft. What threw Satan out of heaven? Who was Satan? Satan actually was an angel, real beautiful angel. He was the one that sang. But he came against God because he thought he knew more than God. And so God was like, you're out, and I'm going to kick your friends that you hang out with that are on your side out, and now that's who we are in battle with here on this earth, okay? We know that Jesus is victorious over every spirit. We know that. We teach that here all the time. If you don't understand that and you don't under understand how to fight warfare, that's what we're here for, okay? So come up to any of us that teach that, Jason, me, uh, Mandy, Ryan, any of the leaders. There's several of you all that know that. Lonnie, Karen, John, a ton of people know how to do that here. Um, but the Lord kept saying divination is what pagan cultures practice. So why does God want to us to repent of our rebellion? Rebellion comes in different forms. Rebellion is, I know, God, you've told me to get in your word a hundred times, but I think i got better things to do. That's rebellion. 
That doesn't mean that every day you have to read five chapters or Jesus doesn't love you. That's not what that means. He could have you meditate on one verse a day. Um, rebellion is a God is telling you to um, quit talking to somebody that's not good for you to be hanging out with, but you continue to do it out of rebellion. Rebellion is... Um, is going to a job that God doesn't really want you working at because people are not doing good things at that job. And he's told you a hundred times, I'll make a way out, but you continue to be disobedient. And God's going, I've actually got this better job for you that you'll get more money, but you continue to be rebellious and disobedient. There's so many ways that we could be rebellious. So ask the Lord today, whether it's here during service or after service, Lord, because we're all rebellious. It comes out of some form of fear or pride. Just ask the Lord, what am I being rebellious about? Because if God's wanting to clean you up, there's a reason he's doing it. He wants to protect you. So I'm going to say one other thing. And then Parker's going to read um, something that we uh, have. It's a little book that Parker, I've told you all, he bought me for Christmas. And uh, he's going to read something in it about trials, okay? And it has to do with rebellion. So rebellion wants to be worshipped and obeyed. Instead of having a relationship with God, rebellion wants to cut us off from our kingdom privileges. But God's grace is sufficient for everything that we need. Yet the purpose of a spirit of rebellion is to block a believer from thriving. Hmm, that makes sense. So here's a question. Can you think of any area in your walk where your agenda was more important than God's agenda? Your personal vision was more important than what God had planned for you in your work, your church, or in relationships. So ask the Lord today, Lord, where am I being rebellious? Where are you trying to break me of that part of, of my personality, my thoughts, what I thought was true is not truth? Because God has such a big plan for all of us. We don't want to get in the way of that just because we're feel fearful or rebellious. Hey, Parker, you got yours. It says, May 22nd, Training and Trust. God's gift and his call are, are irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine. When David was still a teen, he was anointed to be the future king of Israel. Yet he did not possess the skill, wisdom, or knowledge to lead a nation. How could he? The character and spirit of this annoying king to be had to be trained and matured. So God required David to follow and obey him every step along of a long, mystifying, and difficult journey that lasted for years. God did not tell David his timetable, nor did he give him a map or it, it turned. Ah, oh, what's that word again? Uh, is that one it? Yeah. 
itinerary. God did not tell David his timetable, nor did he hand David a map and itinerary. This future king did not have a clue as to what he was going to unfold between his days of tending sheep and his reign as king of Israel. But God was at work in every one of those 15 years preparing David for his assignment. God trains us in the exact same way throughout our lives, in all the difficult and dark seasons, in the seasons we don't understand, even the ones we don't see any value. He is training us for our assignment to fulfill our, pur- our purpose. So yield to his plan. If you will, he'll get your to your destiny. So I'm gonna pray now. Thank you for the privilege of being your thank you for the privilege of being your partner in your kingdom work. Please help me to follow your call and let you, and let you take care of of the rest. And help me to not be rebellious in Jesus' name, amen. Can I say something else real quick? And I and I just want to say, can I say something else real quick? Oh, so I was reading in my Bible the other day. I was reading about Revelation, and it said the mark of the beast is either going to be the name of the Antichrist, whatever his name is. You don't have to hold it anymore. Thank you, though. Or it's it says it says. Uh, it says the mark of the beast is either going to be the name of the Antichrist or it's going to be uh, the 666. But I read, I read it on the caption under it said we may have mistranslated it and it may be 616. So don't you think that would be the devil? We see something that's 616 and we're just like, ah, it's nothing because the mark of the beast either has to be the name of the Antichrist or 666. And then really it's the mark of the beast and we don't know about it. So I was just saying we need to watch out for 616 and 666. And, uh, can I say one more thing? And, and Paul says don't, it, in the Bible it says, Paul says if someone tells you what day is coming back, like what day, what year, that Jesus is coming back, he says, don't trust them. So don't, whatever their day, don't plan for that day to be the apocalypse and Jesus coming back. Just treat it like a normal day because Paul says, don't trust them. Let it go one out in one ear and out the other. Anything I say now is going to pale in comparison. So I'm going to start out today by asking you, who remembers what we talked about last week? Planting seeds. Thank you. Anybody else? (laughs) He was in kids' shirts. He doesn't know. Good soil. Okay. Bad fruit versus good fruit. Okay. Good job. Sometimes I ask these questions. What did you say, Jacob? Bad tree versus good tree. Yep. What's that seed producing? So we talked about a lot about how Jesus used illustrations of seeds. He talked about seeds and trees and fruit. 
and he talked about it in parables, but he compared it to the kingdom of God in our lives. So we start out, I'm just going to recap a few things real quick. We start out in Matthew 13, Jesus talked about a farmer who spread seed. And he said there's four different types of ground that seed could fall on. Anybody remember what the first one was? <laughs> he, just called it, he just called it a path. It'd be kind of like falling on this concrete right now. So it represents that they hear about Jesus. But before it takes root in their heart, Satan just comes and rips it away. It's kind of like that person says, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I don't really care. The second type of seed somebody said, or second type of ground somebody said, rocky soil. So the rocky soil, he said the seed gets thrown in rocky soil and it sprouts up. It looks good, but it's got shallow roots. So that sort of represents somebody who hears the gospel. They hear about Jesus. They get all fired up. But then a day or two later, or whenever the world hits them, they just fall away because they don't have deep roots. Anybody remember the third one? Briars, thorns. What happens when the seed falls into briars? Sprouts. But then he compares that to the world. We let our jobs, our worries, our families, what other people think about us, fear of man. I could go on and on, but we let things of the world cloud out us being who we're supposed to be in Jesus. But then he talked about a fourth type of ground, the fertile ground, the fertile soil. And that's what we need to strive to be because when the seed's planted in fertile soil, we get something bigger. Anybody remember how big it can be? 100 times, 100 times, 40 times, 30 times. Okay, so he talked about those, those four types of soil. So we're either going to be the person that doesn't care at all about Jesus, we're either gonna, or we're going to be the person that hears, gets excited, falls away quickly, or we're going to be the person that hears, we accept it, but we let everything happening around us drown it out, or we're going to be fertile soil, right? We're not going to be both. We're going to be one, two, three, or four, and our goal should be four. And I challenge you guys to evaluate what type of soil are you. And I was honest with you in sharing that I've been all four types at different points. So it's not that we're saying it's necessarily a bad thing for you to evaluate that you're not that fourth soil but you need to evaluate it in a way of saying, how do I get to the next level, okay? We talked about seeds should produce something, and hopefully they produce something good, right? And we talked about that we should be planting seeds in others. So we have seed planted in us. We should have good soil. What sprouts out should produce good fruit. We should plant good seeds into other people. That's the simple formula. Got it? Anybody want to repeat that? We're supposed to plant seeds, but we got to realize that, that the seeds we're planting can be good or bad. Okay, so we got to be cautious of that. we got to know, is the seed I'm planting good or bad? Also, the seeds planted into us can be good or bad. we got to be able to recognize the bad seeds and get them out before they take root and produce bad fruit. And we got to make sure that we're not planting bad seeds, whether on purpose or inadvertently, in other Christians, other people. Okay, if your fruit, we talked about fruit, we we're supposed to be producing good fruit, so if your fruit is producing other disciples, other believers in Jesus, good seed, good tree, good fruit. If we're producing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, good seed, good fruit. But Paul also warned us about bad fruit. Anybody remember the bad fruit he talked about? These hurt, because sometimes we're guilty of some of these Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, division, envy, getting drunk, wild parties. 
all bad fruit. Paul says, stay away from that fruit because people who are like living in that lifestyle, he didn't say people who fail every once in a while and rely on the blood of Jesus. He said people that are living in that lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so I challenged you because I think a lot of us are a combination of the good and the bad list, and we want to work on getting the bad stuff uprooted, get the bad trees out, the bad fruit out, so we can make room for good fruit. Okay, everybody with me? I'm just trying to go through like 45 minutes and two minutes. I challenge you to look at what type of soil you are, what type of tree you've become, what type of seeds, what type of fruit you're producing, and what type of seeds you're planting. And if you find that there's bad fruit, we got to focus and spend time on getting the bad stuff uprooted out of our lives and get something replanted with a good seed. And again, that's the beauty of Jesus' grace. I don't want you to hear any of that and say, man, I did one of those on that list this week, and I'm really sorry about it, but man, I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. No, there is a balance. He's saying if you live in that lifestyle, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, but we're all a work in progress. We all need the grace of Jesus, okay? Amen. Amen. But he does expect us to uproot bad plants and plant new stuff, and it should be in fertile soil. Okay, then we ended. I went around from person to person and planted a good seed in you. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you at the end of the service to come up, and I'm going to do it in you as well. But we planted a good seed because I don't know if you ever had good seeds planted in you. I don't know who's planting seeds in you all the time. So this week, I'm just going to build on what we talked about last week and what Jesus says about, wheat, about seeds. I think if we start to understand the importance of seeds in our lives, then we can start to realize there's a lot of things going around us that may not be producing good fruit, and we're, we're just oblivious to it. Remember how we've talked about before? You never recognize how many of the kind of car you have, you know, you're like, hey, I'm going to buy this new car. I'm going to buy a Ford Explorer. And you never saw a Ford Explorer on the road before you bought a Ford Explorer, right? And then you buy your Ford Explorer, and that's all you see is Ford Explorers. Like, when did all these people get all these new Ford Explorers? My point is, we don't see what we're not looking for, okay? So part of this is just to make you aware. You've got to be looking at the seeds you're planting. You've got to be looking at the seeds you're taking in. You've got to be looking at the fruit you're producing. Is it good or is it bad? We talked last week about our words being very powerful, and Jesus said, you ain't got to worry about your fruit being disguised. It's going to come out with your mouth. It's going to come out with your actions, right? So I'm going to start this morning just by talking about some other seeds that get planted in us because the goal is that we want you to have good soil, good seeds, good fruit, but there's a reality in our world that many of us have had bad seeds planted in us. Okay? What about rejection? What is rejection? It's a seed planted. Somebody or some situation, some action plants a seed in us that says what? You're not good enough. Right? Who in here has never dealt with that phrase in your mind? We all have. It's a tool of the enemy. So Satan plants a seed and we've talked about this before, but he often does it when you're little, and then he just keeps planting more seeds, and he uses people to do it, but the seed is, you're not good enough, and then what does it do? It sprouts into a plant that produces a fruit that makes you walk in not being good enough, right? What about shame? 
Don't worry, I'm going to take you down a bad road, and then I'm going to bring you back up, okay? I promise, it's hitting a downer. Shame. Seeds planted, and you'll never, ever be able to shed your past. Look at what you've done. Anybody ever lived in shame? Hallelujah. But shame, I'm going to argue, is a seed planted by Satan. Again, it can be through, it's often through people. Sometimes church people. Sometimes churches, sometimes pastors, sometimes fathers and mothers, sometimes aunts and uncles, sometimes grandparents. This says you can never be better than your past. That's what shame means. It's a bad seed. Guilt. Anybody deal with guilt in here? It's a seed planted. You got to feel bad for everything you've ever done wrong. Because Satan wants to plant these seeds because he doesn't want you to ever think you'll be good enough, that you can ever shed the shame, and that you can ever get past the guilt. And then if you do, he'll plant this new type of seed of guilt called false guilt that takes on false burdens. See, Satan's not stupid. He goes, okay, I I had you over here. You uprooted that one, so I'll take it all the way over here and make it look good. What about perversion and lust? Everybody just got uptight. Perversion and lust. Do you think I'm talking about sexual sin? No, I'm not. I'm talking about the word perversion at its core. Parker talked about, or I'm sorry, Daniel read a verse about um, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was his verse for today. He had no idea I was going to talk about that. That's how the Holy Spirit works. But what happened in the Garden of Eden? You had a reality. God said, don't do this one thing. Satan shows up, says, hey, did God say you can't eat of any fruit in this garden? Any tree? Eve gets defensive. We've talked about this story before. She says, no. He said, we can't eat from that one tree. Oh, God doesn't want you to know everything he knows. Guess what? That's true. God didn't want them to know everything he knew. And there was a reason for their protection. But Satan perverted. He twisted. The word pervert means to twist. Yes, it also includes sexual sin, but even at the core of sexual sin, there's this twist that you have to have sex to be a man or that you have to have this to satisfy or that you have to have this to be loved and this feeling. It's still a perversion of the truth. It's a twist of the truth. Lust. We all think about lust being some guy staring at some girl walking down the road, but the reality is I look at your brand new car out there and I go, dang, I want one of those. That's lust. Maybe I look at your spiritual gifts and I say, dang, I want what he has. That's lust after a good thing, okay? So I'm talking about perversion and lust. It's not just sexual. It can be. But I'm talking about seeds that are planted by the enemy to make you think you deserve more. That's what he did to Eve and Adam, and it destroyed mankind. You deserve more. And that's perversion. To make Eve want the fruit from that one tree she couldn't have produce lust. That's a seed, okay? How many times have people twisted Scripture to meet their agenda? How many times have pastors, I'm going to beat up on pastors this morning. How many times have they twisted the words of the Bible to get what they want in their church? A lot. 
And I'm sorry that you've had to deal with that, but what does that do? It plants a seed that you can't even trust your spiritual leaders. You can't even trust someone who teaches about Jesus because they have had a seed planted in them that says the Holy Spirit's not good enough. There's not enough power. i got to pervert and twist what the Scripture says to get my agenda done, and that is sad, and Satan has done it. What about seeds of distrust, division, gossip? Gossip is always planting bad seeds. You're either telling the truth or you're planting bad seeds with gossip. And, and I think there's a fine line. Sometimes I say something that's truthful about somebody and they go, well, don't gossip. I didn't gossip. I just said the truth. But many more times than that, we are gossiping and it's always going to plant bad seeds. Okay? I could go on and on, guys. I could go on and on and on. We have to recognize the seeds that Satan plants in us through other human beings through our circumstances, through our past. Because here's the thing. Do seeds sprout instantly? You ever seen us, you ever put a seed in the ground, go back the next day and look and wonder, dang it, why is it not coming through? And then two days later, it's not coming through. And unless you're a green thumb like Jacob, you're, you may be sitting there two weeks later going, man, did I kill the dang seed before it even got planted? But what happens with seeds? They take time. It takes time to grow. So something negative happens. A negative seed is planted. We allow it to grow, but by the time it sprouts, we don't even know. I don't even know where that came from. I just don't feel worthy. I just don't feel good enough. But I don't, I don't, I don't realize that was something that was planted. I'm 44 years old, and that was planted when I was five. Maybe that seed has taken time to grow. The reality is it doesn't usually take that long. But the point is... We don't see the negative effects of the seeds immediately. But there's a flip side to that. Good seeds take time to grow too. And many times we don't have that wonderful fruit of the Spirit Paul talked about called patience to allow the good seed to take root. I told them about Jesus and they didn't accept Jesus immediately. I failed and they failed. No, maybe you planted a seed that's going to sprout 10 years from now. You ever hear the term that maybe you planted a seed that the next person is going to come along and water and the next person is going to get to see the flower? But we're so selfish. I planted the dead gum seed and I want to see the result right now. And then we feel like we failed if we don't see it. So we have to realize these seeds take time to grow. Whether they're negative or positive, they take time to grow. In the negative ones, we often don't see the effect for some time later. In the positive ones, we often aren't patient enough, Right? So I think it's critical that we understand and evaluate the type of seeds we're planting and what we're allowing to be planted in us. I want you to know somebody's planting seeds in you every day. Every day. Parents, what seeds? I'm going to try to look at all of it. What seeds are you planting in your children? Are you planting seeds that are going to produce rejection? Fear, guilt, shame, distrust, unbelief. Are you planting seeds that are going to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control? What seeds are you planting? We've got to be honest. Most of us that have a rejection in our life, where does it stem from? Who planted the first seed? Daddy, mama, grandparent, 
Yeah, it may come from other people, but often the first seed is planted way back with a parent, and then other people just reinforce with new plantings of the same seed. So I'm challenging your pa- the parents today. Are you planting seeds of what their identity is in Christ, or are you planting seeds of how good they are compared to the world? Because that's where many of us get rejection. Son, daughter, what you did was good, but it just wasn't as good as so-and-so's. Boy, that seems benign. That seems so benign. And 30 years later, they're doing stupid stuff because of that statement. Are you teaching them that their performance dictates how they will be received? How they'll be compared? Because I think as parents, we've got a pretty incredible responsibility to plant good seeds. And so I'm challenging every parent, grandparent, if you're going to be a parent, you're going to be a grandparent, I'm challenging you. It's not too late to start planting good seeds. Is it going to seem awkward if you've been planting bad seeds? Maybe. But don't let that be the new negative seed that keeps you from doing it. Okay? Rebellion. She said rebellion. Man, I've been planting so many bad seeds, I don't even know if I can turn the tide and plant good seeds. God's telling you to plant good seeds, okay? There's nowhere in Scripture he says plant bad seeds. So do it. Don't be rebellious. Do it. What about you guys and gals are in college back there? Who's planting seeds in you? Your professors? Other people in your classrooms? Who's planting seeds in you? Are you getting planted seeds that say no matter how right you are, it's social, it's social injustice? Are you being planted seeds of hypocrisy, of do one thing while you say do something else? Is somebody planting seeds about how God's not real, even at Christian universities? I remember a story of a guy... He was in college, and he went through philosophy, and, and you know, philosophy class in college wrecked me. It made me question everything about God, and it took me years to recover from that. But he'd taken philosophy classes, um, he'd taken world religions where he thought he would learn a lot, but all he found out was that everything was about why everything's better than Christianity. <laughs> but he was all excited because he was going to take a Christianity course. I get to find, I made it through philosophy. I didn't quit believing in God. I made it through world religion. They beat up on Christians. I didn't, get, I didn't give up on God. Now I get a Christian course. And you know what that professor did for the next two or three months? Beat up on Christians and planted seeds of unbelief. And that man's not a believer today. Excited to go take a course on Christianity, walk away not being a believer. So I'm challenging you guys in college. What are you hearing? What seeds are you allowing to be planted in you? I hope you're getting good seeds here, and I hope you're getting good seeds from the person sitting beside you here. But what seeds are happening outside of here when you go to those study groups? What about middle school and high schoolers? Any middle school and high schoolers in here? A few. Parker, you're middle school. Oh, there are my own kids. Oh, Faith, Brooks, I, I know you're homeschooled. It's not weird anymore. <laughs> but you still have people your age influencing, right? People are planting seeds into us. Norm, your kids. Jonathan, your kids that walked out. Whatever. 
They're not here to hear this. They come back in. I'm going to say it again. People are planting seeds in you. Seeds of what you got to do and how you got to cave to be cool in a certain crowd, right? Seeds of confusion about who you're designed to be. Yeah, I know in my heart, in my mind, this is what God designed me to be, but if I want to fit in with this crowd, I'm going to be like them. And that can range anywhere from beliefs to sexuality, whatever. Seeds of sacrificing your morals and who you really are just to find acceptance. That's a commonality in high school and middle school, right? You're trying to figure out who you are, and there's plenty of people around you ready to plant seeds to tell you who you should be. Okay, so I beat up on a couple of groups of people, but I want to get the rest of you. Who are you allowing to plant seeds in you? We heard a story this week where a young lady, and I believe it was through her church. I might have this wrong, but she got connected with a small group. She went to a small group where they talked about exploring spiritual gifts. And man, doesn't that sound like what we talk about? We want to teach you your spiritual gifts. Now, when you look at the description, it never said anything about God, Holy Spirit, or Jesus, and that should have been a clue. So that's your first clue. Somebody wants to talk to you about spirituality and about your gifts and all that, and it sounds so good because you're on this Jesus train. Make sure they're saying those words with it. So she went, and they wanted to pray over her. So this is all good, right? And they asked her if they could open her third eye. She didn't know any better. They planted some really horrific seeds in her. Now, she knew what to do. She called people that would help her get rid of that seed and get new seed, and that person was Wendy. But the point is, we have to be careful that Satan is not stupid. He is putting people in your life every day that he wants to plant bad seeds in you. And we have to be aware of it, okay? We have to realize the seed has power. It starts so little, so, so little. And then what does it do? It gets bigger, and it grows to something that can be a good thing or an out-of-control bad thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to have to be careful how I say this. I'm going to surround myself with people that are putting good seed into me. That doesn't mean I'm not going to witness to people. You know, Jesus went and sat with the sinners at the table and ate with them. But he went to tell them who he was. He didn't just continue to hang out with them. Because then he said things like, if you're going to follow me, you've got to make some changes. So he went to them, he loved on them, he showed them something different, but he didn't allow them to sow bad seeds. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go love on the people that think they're unlovable. I'm going to go look for the people that are truly fertile ground. They just need somebody to plant a good seed. But I'm not going to hang out there if they're just going to pour bad seeds back into me. And I'm going to encourage you to do the same thing. You go love on them, but then stay the heck away if they're planting bad seeds in you. But it's one of my parents. Yeah, we get that. But it's my brother. Yeah, I get that. Jesus said I come to put mothers against their children. Okay, we can preach a whole sermon about that. Families against family. In other words, if you're not following Jesus, it's going to make somebody mad. I mean, if you are following Jesus, I said that completely wrong. Rewind. If you are following Jesus and you're looking for nothing but good seeds, you're going to make somebody mad. I'm going to give you a little clue. If they get mad at you, they probably were there to plant bad seeds, whether they realize it or not, because most humans don't even realize what they're doing when they're planting bad seeds. I want to be clear. I didn't say if you plant one bad seed, I'm done with you, (laughs) right? I said if it's happening over and over and over and over because grace comes in when someone plants a bad seed, it's my responsibility to coach them, teach them, and give them grace just like Jesus gives me. 
But in Matthew 13, 31 and 32, Jesus talks about the power of a little bitty seed. Remember I told you last week there are three parables that show up in all three Gospels that talk about parables. We talked about one of them. It's the parable of the seed sower, the types of ground. This is the second one, mustard seed. He says, Here's another in, uh, this is another illustration that Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Anybody ever see a mustard seed before? That is a mustard seed. How small is it? It's tiny. And this is the illustration that Jesus uses. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds. But what does it become? That little bitty mustard seed becomes this big tree. That tree that provides protection. Birds come and make nests in its branches. Do birds make nests where it's unsafe? Okay, most of the time, no. <laughs> a bird doesn't come up and set up a nest where it knows that something's going to come destroy it, right? So I think Jesus may have used this as an analogy to show the kingdom of God starts out as this little small seed, but it's supposed to grow into something so big. You can stand under that tree and be shaded from the sun and the heat, and you have protection, okay? This is the comparison to the kingdom of God. And I think Jesus is saying when you plant good seeds, into people, it can grow. Even the smallest seed, if you have patience, can grow into something really big, something really beautiful. And see, that's our job. I'm just supposed to plant a seed in you. You know, when we gave out boxes yesterday, I may have said something simple like, Jesus loves you. That's a seed. See, we get caught up in wanting to see the whole tree. But I told you Jesus loves you. Why aren't you sprouting into a tree right here in front of me? <laughs> I want to see I want to see the result. I need to see that something's going on, right? That's called lack of faith and unbelief, and we can go into that later. But Jesus says, plant this little bitty seed. Just tell someone about me. We've talked before. Revelations 12 9, it says, Satan is overcome by two things: the blood of the Lamb and what? Our testimony. So maybe the seed you need to plant is, you know what, I've been where you are. That's what I told the gentleman yesterday. I've been where you are with addiction. I've been where you are when you didn't think anybody wanted you. But God saved me from that. And you know what he said? That's what I want. That's what I need. I just planted a seed. I can't make the seed grow. I can't determine if his ground is fertile, but I can plant the seed and trust God that maybe one day it'll grow into something like this. Parker said, I can lead the horse to water, but I can't make it drink. <laughs> Thank you, Parker. <laughs> but when we look at this parable, we've got to realize that negative seeds can have the same impact. See, that little bee seed, he didn't say, <laughs> he said the kingdom of God's like this little bee seed turns into a big tree, but there's negative seeds that turn into these big trees too, right? A seed of unbelief or distrust starts really, really small, grows into something really, really big. See, the division starts really, really small and can disrupt a whole church or family. See, the rejection starts really, really small and grows into something that haunts you the rest of your life and causes you to make the most awful decisions 
And if you don't think that's true, just come go listen to my testimony again from several weeks ago and come to me and I'll give you a deeper version of it. But a seed of scripture can start really, really small too and grow into something really big. So what I'm going to encourage you guys to do is we've got to start coming up with some good seeds to replace the bad seeds. You've got to recognize the bad seed, but when someone shows up and throws a bad seed in my fertile ground, I've got to recognize this is a bad seed. I'm going to get it out and replant it with something good. Here's a verse, Galatians 3.26, for you are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Here's the seed. Because I have faith in Jesus, I am a child of God. That's a seed. You can plant it with yourself. I'm taking a scripture and I'm proclaiming it. Because I have faith in Jesus, I am a child of God. That's a good seed. Jason, you're not good enough. You're not good enough to be a pastor because you've been divorced. And divorced people can't be pastors. It says it right there in the word of God, right? Uh, That's a seed of perversion, twisting God's word to what you want your agenda to be so you look better. That's a seed of rejection. That's multiple seeds. And you know what I say? Nope. Nope, I'm a child of God because of my faith in Jesus and I've been redeemed. My past is wiped clean. You've got to start replacing the negative seeds and the negative statements with positive seeds. And I'm going to challenge you kids to do it to your parents. Your parent comes up and tells you you weren't good enough. Say, nope, I'm a child of God because I believe in Jesus. Let that be on them. My kids have authority to do that with me, and, and they have to. I mean, I'm close to perfect, but Wendy isn't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Whoa. Just making sure everybody's awake. <laughs> Honey, I'm sorry. That's a bad seed. I'm sorry. She's a child of God through her faith in Jesus. I'm just giving you an example of how it works. I just wanted you men to know that I say stupid stuff, too. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're some weird dork. That's all you want to talk about is that Christian stuff. No, I'm a child of God. I'm not a dork. I might be a dork, but I'm a child of God because of my faith in Jesus. I'm using one scripture. You need to change how you do things in your church. Remember the email I read to you guys or told you guys about? They told us we need to quit catering to the young people. Nope. Nope, because every one of those young people is a child of God because of their faith in Jesus, and I'm going to uplift that, not tear it down because you dead old people can't get with the program. That's not in my notes. Guys, we've got to grab some simple scriptures like this and start to replace it. I just gave you one, Galatians 3.26. Write it down. Put it in your phone. Memorize it. Get it. It's an easy one. And there's tons of other ones. I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you the benefit of planting good seeds. We talk a lot about a lot about bad seeds. Let's talk about good seeds. So I don't know when it was. It was at least 10 years. Well, it's, uh, it's got to be 15 years ago. Wendy and I go to Irwin. Um, we go out to eat or to her friend Tanya's house. And her friend Tanya's husband is named Brian. He's a pastor. And I don't know this guy. And we're talking, and um, I'm just going to, he came up to me, and he goes, you're going to be a pastor one day. I'm like, I thought you and I were the only ones in here. Who are you talking to? Because, see, he couldn't see all the lies going on in my mind. Uh, he doesn't know about my past. He doesn't know what I'm thinking right now. He doesn't know I've been addicted to pornography and, uh, and alcohol and all this stuff. He, he just sees this guy that talks a good talk. 
And see, I talked myself out of the good seed he planted, but he planted a seed, and that seed stuck with me. How many times over the last 15 years have we referenced, hey, Brian told you you were going to be a pastor. I'm the one that told him no. I planted my own bad seed when he tried to plant a good seed. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm thankful for that seed right now. I'm very thankful for that seed right now. Because to stand in front of you, I try to hold myself accountable for a lot of things. And if I weren't your pastor, I don't know where I'd be. Like, I hope I'd be doing really good things. But I've told the men, sometimes when I'm struggling, i got to go, crap, if I fail at this, i got to tell them. So I, that's my motivation, right? <laughs> I expect them to be honest. So I quit my career, and I go to work for a church, and things don't go the way I planned, even though Wendy told me not to go in and say a cuss word in front of the pastor. Anyway... As we left there, I remember two couples specifically saying, you need to start a church. And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> are you nuts? But I'm thankful today that Ryan and Mandy and Jeff and Casey planted a seed a long time ago. They planted a seed in me when we were trying to plant seeds in them. See how this mutually beneficial thing works? When I find out somebody has a life change because of our counseling it plants a good seed in me that we're doing something good and we're planting good seeds in them. It's beneficial. When I find out someone has life changed through our church, it's mutually beneficial because it plants a good seed of encouragement in me while we're planting good seeds into you guys or whoever. When I find out that a bride or a groom come here and they have life change because we planted good seeds in them, because, bless you, because we showed them love, joy, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness. We taught them how to use self-control and not go off on their mother-in-law and all that good stuff. That's good seed. But you know what? For every good seed that's being thrown into my soul, soil, do you think there are not, and soul, do you ever think, there, do you think there's not some bad seeds being thrown? Anybody think there's bad seeds being thrown at us? Do you think there's more good or more bad? feels like it I don't know the answer to that but it sure feels like it because Satan doesn't want the good ones to take root right he had me believing a lot of bad seeds for a long time he doesn't want any of you guys to start believing good seeds he's going to keep throwing bad seeds okay so this isn't like a genie tap where I go you're not going to receive bad seeds anymore <laughs> that's a Tim Hawkins reference <laughs> that's how Tim Hawkins makes fun of Catholics <laughs> <laughs> you encouraged me to be sarcastic yesterday you planted that seed <laughs> that's right there are prophets in the Bible that are sarcastic Elijah go look it up do you think there have been people in this church that try to plant bad seeds I'm going to tell you a story most of you are going to know who this is, and some of you aren't. And I'm not saying it disparages the person, but somebody came to this church and started planting bad seeds. All I did was confront them and say, why are you lying about like this? Why, why, why are you lying about us? Why, why are you doing what we've asked you not to do? And that person left. We didn't ask them to leave. That person left. Do you think they stopped spreading bad seeds? No. See, they spread a lot more bad seeds after they left than before they left. But those bad seeds didn't really take root and show a, a bad fruit until like a year later. 
and then it wreaked havoc with some other people. And I'm not saying this to disparage anyone, to talk bad about anyone. If they hear this, they're welcome to come talk one-on-one. We've never asked one person to leave this church. Everyone who's left has made that decision on their own, and I can nail every one of them back to a seed planted by someone who had ill intentions, and I cannot for the life of me explain that, but it is just a fact. You think there are days that Satan didn't put thoughts in my head of, see, no matter how good you try to do it, you're just hurting people. You probably did something wrong you don't even know you did. Those are bad seeds, but it's up to me what I do with them. Because for every one of those, every week or every two weeks or every so often, someone comes up and goes, hey, that really meant a lot to me what you said. And I don't need your pat on the back. I used to when I had insecurities, but I need encouragement, and that's different. I need encouragement to know that good seeds are taking root and that good fruit can come from those good seeds. Jesus warned us about bad seeds. He talked a lot about seeds in Matthew 13. Just go read that chapter. Anybody ever heard of the parable of the wheat and the tares? That's a good old King James word. The tares, it's really weeds. The wheat and the weeds. Okay, Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. So the farmer plants good seed. But that night as the workers slept, his enemy came in and planted weeds amongst the wheat. Then he slipped away. When the crop began to grow, see, they didn't know it at once. They didn't know in this story that somebody had planted bad seeds. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. So the workers come to him and say, sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? And the farmer knew, he said, an enemy has done this. And they said, should we pull out the weeds? And he said, no, you'll uproot the weed if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them to put the wheat in the barn. I want to be careful and clarify something here. I told you last week and earlier today, if you have bad seed planted in your garden and it's producing bad plants, uproot that crap and get some good seeds in it. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is explaining to us that all the good wheat, I'm going to assume everybody in here is good wheat. And I hope I'm right. But Jesus is saying you need to expect that people are going to slip in your midst and they're going to be weeds. And if you go uproot that weed, that person, it's going to hurt everything. It's going to hurt the good stuff too. So sometimes you've got to live with those bad people. Ooh, that's tough. I just said get them out of your life earlier, didn't I? Maybe that was my flesh talking a little bit. I don't know. But these are challenging things that Jesus says. And really what he's saying is, it's my responsibility, not yours. It's my responsibility that when I come for the harvest, I'm going to separate and burn the weeds while I put the good wheat in a barn. Praise God, you're in a barn right now. (laughs) But one day you're going to be in a better barn that has streets of gold and some other things I can't remember, okay? He's warning us that there's always going to be weeds. People are always going to be planting bad seeds. And I just want to say it again because I don't want there to be confusion. We have a responsibility to make sure bad seeds aren't planted in us. That's ideas. That's thoughts. Jesus is talking about bad people being amongst us. See, I never asked any of those people to leave. They were weeds. Jesus took care of it. It hurt. It hurt when they got uprooted. But Jesus took care of it, and I'm thankful for that because 
I don't think we'd be where we are today if those bad things didn't happen. I'm just going to say that whether it's in my life, whether it's in our church, Jesus is going to take care of the bad weeds, okay? But he's talking about people that don't inherit the kingdom of God. This is all intertwined. It's kind of confusing. But remember last week I talked about hay out here. And we get hay cut like once or twice a year. Fescue grows, but the farmer waits for the seed to drop before he cuts the hay. He could cut it, bale it. It's great. But if he waits an extra week or two, it drops its seed. And then it kind of refertilizes itself. So that's good things. You ever seen a cool-looking flower that you're like, man, that's a pretty flower? And you find out it's a wildflower that's a weed? What does it do? It produces this really pretty flower, and then it drops seeds. So our, our plants, whether they're good or bad, are dropping seed. And Satan's going to make a lot of them look really good when they're really bad. Okay? So we have to be aware of that. What's that? A weed is only something that's not supposed to be there. It was never designed to be there, whether it's in nature or in our lives. So I'm going to assume everybody in here is good seed. You're good wheat. What are you going to do to make sure that the seeds you're dropping around you are good seeds? That's the challenge. See, this Jesus believing, Jesus following, Jesus abiding with, this life requires action. It requires self-reflection. It requires change. It's not easy. Being forgiven, it ain't easy either. He makes it easy. We make it hard. But the point is, none of this is easy. We've got to work to keep our good soul. We've got to work to make sure our fruit's good. We've got to work to make sure the seeds we're planting are good. We've got to work to make sure weeds don't overtake us. We got to work to fight off bad weeds being bad seeds being thrown at us in our garden, right? It's Jesus' job to sort out the bad and get rid of them. But many of us have never received the good seeds, and that's what I want to really focus on. Because of our past, because of our mistakes, because of our parents, because of our circumstances, we've never received good seeds. But you're in a family right now that should be giving you good seeds. And I say that confidently. We should be holding each other accountable when we see bad seed, but we should have the intent to always be spreading good seed. So if you come here, you've had nothing but bad seed spread into you, I want you to know and have confidence that when you leave here, you are in a place that can get good seed. You know, last week, I'm going to go ahead and give it away, the little seed I planted for those that weren't here. It was simple. I anointed your hands with oil, and I said, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. He chose you to spread his, his message. And for some of you guys, hearing those words was as foreign as me hearing a guy in his kitchen say, you're going to be a pastor. And I watched some of you with your eyes well up with tears, and I watched some of you just break and cry. I watched some of you look at me with stone eyes. I'm not going to point out anybody this isn't that time. My point is, I planted a seed. I can't take, I can't, I can't take, I can't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not, res- I am responsible, but I can't help what kind of ground it falls on, what kind of soil it falls on, what you do with it. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you a question. If you heard that last week, how many of you accepted that seed? Awesome. We had some hands raised. I was going rhetorical, but good job. I didn't <laughs> clarify. My bad. <laughs> 
How many of you accepted it? How many of it, how many of you did it just, it's just like throwing it on this concrete? You just don't care. Yeah, he said it. I got through it. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hands. <laughs> how many of you were rocky ground? How many of it did you go, ah, oh, that felt so good to feel like I was actually wanted and needed by God, and then Monday morning your boss cussed you out, and you're like, oh, life sucks. How many of you got all fired up? But then you went home and started working on your bills and realized how in debt you were and the worries of the world squashed it out. And how many of you are going to do something with it? So I'm going to finish today by planting another good seed. And if you know anything, you know this is becoming my life verse. Pate said it during worship this morning. John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I'm going to put this a different way. Here's the seed. If you are a believer in Jesus, you're going to do the same things he did and greater things. I was hoping for one more woo than that. (laughs) You will do greater things than Jesus. Why? Because he said so. Because he gave you authority. See, here's what I can't help. I can't help that you grew up in a church that planted a bad seed. And said, you don't know enough scripture. Or they planted a bad seed and said, uh, that power that Paul talks about in Romans about power that lives in you, same power raised Jesus from the dead, that was just for the Romans right there around that time of the apostles. And after AD 70, that was no longer. I'm sorry if that bad seed was planted in you. I'm sorry If a pastor planted a bad seed by twisting the word of God to what he wanted it to say. I'm sorry if a pastor was so intimidated by your spiritual gifts that he put you down and planted bad seed. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry like guilty sorry. I'm I'm sorry if a pastor said, this verse doesn't apply to you. So Jesus made something real clear. I got to go be with the Father. See, I've been doing all this work, but I got to go be with the Father. So I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you because that's where your power is going to come from. But you got to do what I've been doing, guys. I got to go be with the Father and prepare this place. So if you ever got one of those negative seeds planted, this is the time to uproot it right now, today, right now. As we speak, you replace it with this truth. Jesus said, I need you. I got to go do something. I got to go prepare your next home, heaven, the cool barn. And while I'm gone, you got a job, and I need you to do it. And I'm going to give you the authority to do it. And you know what? I'm even going to let you do greater things. If you, if you want to tell me you believe the word of God, you can't take out John 14, 12. I'm thinking about getting it tattooed on my arm so I can't forget it, okay? I'm being serious. This should be your life verse. I don't care what someone tells you. If a pa- I had a guy in here the other day, and he goes, man, I just don't believe in all that healing stuff because that was for the first apostles. I, in my mind, I didn't say it out to him. I did say it out to him. I said, well, what do you think it means in John 14, 12? Just go look that up. But in my mind, I'm going, no, I'm a believer in Jesus, and Jesus said anyone who believes in him will do greater things. Replace the bad seed with a good seed. It's up to you what you do with seeds. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to end with a worship song that we started with this morning before some of you got here. I'm going to pray that any bad seeds are uprooted and new seeds are put in. 
But then we're going to sing a song, and all it says over and over and over is Yeshua. And for those of you who don't know, that is the Hebrew name for Jesus. So we're not worshiping some false god. It's the true name of Jesus that carries power. And if you've got bad seeds that have been planted, I want you to use this time. I'm getting a finger point. I'm getting a high. Okay. If you've got bad seeds that have been planted in you, I want you to leave them here today. You do it with the name of Yeshua. So, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand in front of these people and talk about your word that's powerful. Powerful, more powerful than a double-edged sword. And, Father, today I'm asking that your word pierce them. But what I'm asking you to pierce them with are new truths, that they are your children. See, some of us come from bad parents, bad families. We were rejected by our birth families. We were adopted, whatever. Today's the day they get to believe a new truth, that they are your child adopted into your family, God. It doesn't matter what their human family look like. Today is the day that because they believe in you, Jesus, because they have faith, they are a child of God. And today we get this new truth that because we believe in you, Jesus, we have your authority, and I thank you for that authority you trusted me with. But Jesus, you trusted me with it. And I don't want to stand in front of you one day and say, I didn't believe it. I didn't understand it. So, God, I'm asking you to prick all of our hearts with that double-edged sword this morning that says, believe this word that you can do better and greater things because, ah, Jesus gave you authority. So, Father, help these words to resonate in our hearts and our minds. And, Father, if there's someone right here today that's just steel-eyed and doesn't care, prick their hearts, Lord. Because bad seeds are terrible, but good seeds are good. And I just want people to experience your love. The fruits of the Spirit, you show us your gentleness, your kindness. The bad seed that was planted, that you're, that you're just, just God waiting to hammer them and hurt them. Let that be replaced with a seed of a God who is gentle and loving and patient and loved us so much he sent his son to die for us. So, Father, today as we worship you, as we worship your son, Yeshua, that is the most powerful word in the human language, Yeshua. And evil can't stand it. Every knee bow. So, Father, this morning as we worship Yeshua, your son, you make every demon flee, every bad seed, every lie. In Yeshua's name. Amen.